Welcome once again to the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dillon Thomas. Um, today, we're going to talk about the uh, the illusion of transparency. So we're going to start by giving you a little test. I am going to um, clap out a song, and you're going to tell me if you can identify that song. And before I begin, I want you to just guess, you know, estimate. What do you think your odds are that you'll actually be able to um, guess the song? Um how you know? How often do you think that that'll actually happen? So I'm gonna start, and we'll see. So uh, I pr- picked a pretty easy one. Uh, do you know the song? I'll give you a sec. Okay, it was "Happy Birthday." Happy birthday to you, and so on. Um, so, uh, people usually guess that, um, people will be able to guess half the time, like what the song is just by hearing the claps. Um, and reality, it's actually only 3% because it's really hard to, uh, tell what the song is without hearing the actual notes. I'll give you an even harder example. Um, that one's almost impossible because it's so evenly spaced, but that's the Ode to Joy. Um, I just watched Die Hard again, so that's kind of in my head. But yeah, without actually hearing the melody, it's hard to, it's hard to tell. And in my head, right, as I'm clapping that out, I can hear the melody perfectly. And I'm imagining that you're hearing the exact same thing, right? Because I'm clapping it out, it should be obvious, but you're not hearing that at all. And it's kind of a perfect example of how, you know, what we think we're communicating, you know, is not what we're communicating at all. So this was actually um, uh, a test invented by Elizabeth Newton at Stanford. It was part of her PhD dissertation in psychology. Um, and uh, she was sort of able to point out that people, you know, even though people thought they could guess half the time, it's actually only about 3% of the time people were able to accurately guess just from the claps. Um, and I've taken this test myself and failed miserably. Um, and uh, if you think about other kinds of expression, like email, right? How hard is it to read expre- uh, sarcasm in an email, right? Like we even invented a sarcasm tag, sarcasm tag to try to like you know indicate that, um, or like little emojis or JK or whatever, because we know the text itself. It's really hard for you to know what's in my head, even though it, sh- it feels like it should be obvious, you know, from my point of view. Um, there were some really interesting experiments about the, for, around this in uh, 1998. Uh, Thomas Gilovich, Victoria Medvek, and Kenneth uh, Savitsky did a whole series of experiments around this. So one was around lying. So they had um, some Cornell students divided into groups of five, and they had to answer questions in front of an audience. And the audience knows that one of the five in that group are lying, right? And in fact, one of the five are instructed to lie. So they'll be asked a question, and only one of them has said, okay, you have to lie when you answer this question. The audience has to guess which one of those five people is lying. Now, the students, like one of those five, they have to guess how many people could tell they were lying, right? So I'm telling a lie, and I have to guess how many of the students in the, or how many of the people in the audience could tell I was lying. So half of the liars thought they were caught, right? Half of the people who were lying thought they were actually caught. But if you go from the audience's point of view, when they were guessing who was lying, only one quarter of the liars were actually caught. Now, part of this has to do with the fact that we are, in fact, terrible at telling who's lying. Um, But from the point of view of the liar, they thought their lie was obvious, when in fact, it was only basically half as obvious as they thought it was. 
So we think something's obvious to other people when in fact it is not. Uh, another thing they played with is this thing called the spotlight effect. So people think that other people know how nervous they are when they're uh, doing public speaking. Um, and in fact, this gets pretty bad, right? You go up and you're giving a talk and then you think that people can tell how nervous you are. So you try to compensate, which makes you sound even more nervous, which makes you compensate again. And you get this terrible feedback loop. And um, Whereas if you ask the audience, right, they don't see that nervousness nearly as much, right? And we judge ourselves more harshly than the observer actually judges us um, and in terms of like how, um, how obvious our anxiety is to other people. Um, now, what's interesting about this one is that knowing that the audience doesn't know how nervous you are can actually help. So you know how on this podcast we're always talking about how even if you know about the bias, it doesn't help. This is one of those rare cases where it does help. So again, the, this group did an uh, experiment where they kind of had three different groups who all had to give um, public speaking to a crowd. And uh, there was a control group that was given no really advanced instructions. It was like, hey, learn about this thing. You've got five minutes. Prepare a speech on a topic. Go. There was another group that was called um, the reassured group. And the reassured group was told, hey, you know, research indicates that you should not worry about this. But, like, that was all they were told. Like, they weren't told the specifics. And then there was an informed group where they actually explained the illusion of transparency and how, like, people in the audience cannot tell how anxious you are. Um, like, scientifically proven. Um, so the informed group, right, the ones who had actually been told exactly what the illusion of transparency was like, did better in their, um, uh, and sort of how the, the crowd saw them and also how they sort of felt about how they did than the reassured group or the, uh, just control group. Um, so actually knowing, you know, how this bias works can actually help you with public speaking. So for once, yay, we got one. Um, so, uh, another area this pops up in is in, uh, helping behavior is another thing they looked at. Um, and again, part of the um, illusion is that we think that when we're in distress, other people are better at reading that distress than they actually are. So we think if we're having a tough time of it, if we, if we need help even, right, um, that other people will be able to read that better than they can actually read it. And this kind of gets into this thing called the bystander effect, where if something you know terrible is happening, people will look to other people to react to that emergency, and they don't always you know react in time uh, because they're waiting for someone else to do it, basically. They're waiting to see how other people react. So part of the problem is that the person who is going through whatever the emergency is thinks they're communicating their distress sufficiently, but they're not. And then the people who are sort of seeing this emergency unfold are monitor, monitoring the reaction of the other people, you know, uh, let's say it's on a subway car and something bad is happening. They're looking at the other people in the subway car to see how they react. But if the other people in the subway car are also looking to see how other people are reacting, you're just watching a whole bunch of people waiting for someone to react. You're not seeing a reaction, so you think, oh, it must be okay. Let me stay keeping cool and nonchalant here, right? Um, and so obviously that's, that's problematic. So as with a lot of these biases, it has a lot to do with what we're able to actually see, even in our own heads. Like we have access to how we're feeling, right? Or what message we're trying to communicate or what we think we're putting out into the world in terms of how anxious we are, if we're in distress, or if we're trying to clap out happy birthday. Um, what we don't have is insight into your mind, right? Into the other person's like perception of that anxiety or that happy birthday. Um, so, uh, so we're worse at it, right? Um, it's not really surprising, but this is one of the sort of more, you know, interesting like aspects of that. 
Um, so anyway, um, that is it for the Cognitive Bias Podcast this week. Um, we are going to take a week off, and then we will be back um, over the holidays, actually. Um, uh, I guess that'll be Thanksgiving. Um, so uh, we will see you next time for the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dillon Thomas. Thank you.